Anyone who's ever grown up in a place where there's cattle or horses that are kept in by an electric fence probably shares a, a common memory. That's the, the first time that you thought it was a good idea to just see what the electric fence could do. And maybe you've experienced this where one person, oddly enough, after they've touched the electric fence, will invite another person just to experience it and try touching that same electric fence. Come on, try it! Isn't that human nature? That even after experiencing the, the pain and the, the shock and surprise, we want others to feel it too so they know what it's like. It's kind of striking that this is the way that we respond, and yet you'll see that. A child that's on a playground will be inviting another child in the playground to try something. Can't you just picture the young boys standing around an electric fence? One of them hasn't tried it and doesn't desire to touch the fence, but they're all picking on him until he joins with them and tries it. Isn't that the way it's like with sin? That's what Peter describes in 1 Peter chapter 4 for us. The situation of this world, that the world desires that everybody plunge along with them into sin. And for those who no longer desire to do that, they're slandered. Because the world is surprised. Well, this morning as Peter leads us into God's word in 1 Peter chapter 4, we see how Christians create an altogether different surprise. And God brings us to surprise the world with our lives and our love. This chapter begins here saying, Christ suffered in the flesh. Now for Christ, this was no surprise. He knew what was coming to him as he faced and headed towards the cross. He knew that it would be far more dangerous and deadly than an electric fence. It would be the weight of every sin, and he would suffer that sin himself in our place. Peter says a few verses earlier here, Christ suffered for us, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. The purpose of Christ facing such great suffering was that you and I might not have to. See, Christ saw sin for what it was. He looked at this sin and how it separated us from our God. And he desired that that sin be taken away from us in order that we might be brought back to God, he suffered for us. And this love is an unfathomable, shocking, amazing love that God would so love this world full of sinners who plunge headfirst into sin that he himself would desire to take that sin for us on the cross. So Peter says here in 1 Peter chapter 4, <clears throat> Christ suffered in flesh, Arm yourselves with the same mindset. That is, Christians, have the same mindset of Christ and regard sin the way that Christ regarded sin, as something to be done with and put away. His understanding and his mindset is one that we are to take hold of as the people of God, as those who trust in him and have forgiveness. It says, do this so that you no longer live the rest of your time in the flesh for human desires, but for God's will. That is, the rest of our lives, we live like that one who views sin and saying, I don't want the shock of sin anymore. I know what it does, and I'm done with it. At least as far as our new desire is concerned, we view sin in a whole different attitude for the rest of, as Peter says, the rest of your time in the flesh. 
for the rest of your life. Now when this takes place, when Christians look at sin differently, how is the world going to respond? Well, Peter describes how there's a contrast here between the, well, the world's desires and what God wills. What the world desires, Peter says, is all these things that he lists, living in unbridled immorality, lust, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and disgusting idolatry. Now you might say to yourselves, well, well, of course, I've never delved into such sins, unbridled immorality, that is, uncontrolled immoral behavior, disgusting idolatry. I've never worshipped idols. Drinking parties, orgies, drunkenness? That's not me. And perhaps not. Maybe your life before becoming a Christian wasn't filled with these things. But Peter is listing what every human desire leads to. He's listing for us the obvious sins that are obviously destructive, like someone going up to an electric fence and touching it. These are destructive, obviously harmful sins that Peter is listing. And every human desire in the end will lead us down to these sins. It's actually quite shocking what the sins of this world lead us to. But when the world does this, and they see that Christians don't join with them in it. For them, it's a surprise. Peter says, They are surprised that you do not plunge into the same overflowing river of filth with them. The world will be shocked when it sees Christians view sin differently and desire to live differently. You know, I once had a, a group of friends that was going on a, a run, and we came to a breaking point where there was a river. And, well, some people decided it was a good idea to jump into that river. I opted not to, knowing that that river was filled with drainage from the nearby farms, and not only filled with that farm drainage, but other pollution and muck and stench. And yet those who had jumped in were shouting to those who opted not to, come on, you have to join us, jump in, it's great. And I still didn't believe them as I saw the muck running down their face and as some of them came with that dirty brown water running down their face saying, come on, you, you got to jump in. Still, I wasn't convinced even as I saw some of them coming out with that stink on them and on their feet. One of them came out with a, a fish hook attached to his shorts. That's what the unbelieving world is like towards Christians when they realize that they are jumping into the river of filth, but the world doesn't want to join, Christians don't want to join with them, do not desire to plunge in with them. Like a, a child that's being picked on the playground because he's different from everyone else, Christians will be picked on in this world because they're different. Peter says, they're surprised that you do not plunge in with them, and they slander you. That's certainly going to be the case that Someone who is different will stand out, and Christians who stand out will be picked on. After all, what happens when the Christian finds themselves surrounded by peers who are all joining in a drinking party, even though they're underage, and they opt not to? Or when the Christian sees on social media all the different immoral posts that are enticing them and pulling them in, and they see it even shared by some of their friends online, do they choose to ignore it? 
Do they choose to just forego going online anymore? Do they choose to move on or do they maybe just give a little thumbs up so their friends know they're not that different? And when the Christian goes on a date and the date is pressuring her to go further than she feels is good or that she sees as godly, does he then turn on her and make her feel foolish for not caving in to his pressures? The world will slander those who seek to follow God's will and who desire to turn aside from sin and have that new mindset of Christ towards sin as something to be avoided, something to be put away with and done with for the rest of the time in the flesh. And don't misunderstand, Christians are not without sin. For the rest of our time in the flesh, we struggle to be like Christ. We will never be Christ in this life. We will not be of the same exact mindset, but we have a new mindset. Peter says, arm yourselves with the same mindset of Christ. That is, against all the slander, against all the desires of this world, and against all the invitations to plunge headfirst into sin, arm yourself with Christ's mindset to say, I'm done with sin. I do not want the shock and the pain that comes with sin. I do not want the separation that it brings. And sadly, the end result of those who plunge headfirst into sin, Peter mentions here, is near. He says, they will have to give an account to the one who's ready to judge the living and the dead. When one plunges into sin and gives into the human desires of this world, the end result is that sin becomes the norm. And God says that he will hold everyone accountable. They will have to give an account for him who will judge the living and the dead. Those who know Christ, who have had the gospel preached to them, don't need to worry about the slander of this world and if they're judged by this world. Those who have the gospel and the forgiveness won by Christ see sin differently and see God's judgment differently because they know they will live with God. And so life is very different. Peter says for you, have sound judgment and be self-controlled. That is for a Christian, instead of acting on a whim and, and plunging headfirst into sin, the Christian is self-controlled and ask rather than what is everyone around me doing? They ask, what does my God desire? What does he will? And self-control is not giving in to drunkenness where the alcohol takes control of your life, but rather you are in control through the power of the gospel to know what is good and right and to follow the mindset of Christ. Be self-controlled and sober-minded, alert, with sound judgment. And he says here even, for the sake of your prayers, sin does separate from God. But the biggest surprise is what we save for last today. The Christian does not desire that this world, which slanders a godly mindset, be left in that judgment, but preaches the gospel. That gospel is preached not only in our life as people see the godly life of a Christian, but it's preached in our love. When somebody slanders a Christian, the normal response of this world is to slander back. When someone slights a person, the first thing that the person wants to do is slight them back and attack them. That is, you made me touch the electric fence, I'm going to have you touch it. I'm going to toss you into the river of filth. 
And the way that this world operates is called vindictiveness, selfishness, immorality. But not so with those who have the mindset of Christ. Having the same mindset of Christ, Peter indicates, is above all, love each other constantly. That is, when a Christian is slandered by this world, they simply continue in love and they preach the gospel and the love of Christ who came to take away the filth and the guilt and the condemnation of sin. And that constant love which is seen in the life of Christians is echoed as they forgive, as they have been forgiven. It says, because love covers a multitude of sins. You want to surprise this world? Arm yourself with the mindset of Christ. The world will be shocked. They'll be surprised when you don't plunge into the same desires, but have a new desire, the mindset of Christ, and a new view towards sin. And the world will be shocked. It will be surprised when above all you love, with a love that covers over sin. When you forgive those who cause you harm, and when you live in the forgiveness of your God. See what Peter is telling us here? He's instructing us to live for the rest of our lives with an altogether different mindset. We'll hear those constant, come on, join, plunge in. And the Christian doesn't just live separate in pietistic holiness saying, I'm better than you, but rather shows by their life and by their love that they found a new mindset and a new life of Christ who suffered and is done with sin and suffered so that we might be done with sin and that we might be with him. Armed with the mindset of Christ, you cause a surprise by your life and by your love. Amen.